0: (laughs) Nothing's going your way, you've had a bad day, it's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath, from fade to gray, it's mental.
1: Welcome to another episode of Mental. I'm sitting with my good friend Michelle. And we are here to talk about the next two stages of power. But first, but first let's just talk. How are you doing?
2: Oh, so we're going to do a mental minute. Okay. My day is going actually pretty
1: well. Mm-hmm. So
2: I'm pretty happy. I, as you know, I'm moving. Yes. Escrow closed on my house on Wednesday. We finalized packing and everything because we were behind the gun. Um, we finalized packing on Thursday. So there's still a pod sitting in that driveway. The buyer has been very, very generous and not giving me a hard time about it. That'll be leaving tomorrow. So my son and daughter-in-law left yesterday. My husband left this morning with my dogs. And I leave tomorrow once the pod clears for our little trek across the country. And I found out earlier today, as I told you earlier, finally got approved for my house there. So, so, you're out? so you're not homeless. I'm not homeless. I was <laughs> homeless.
1: That, that was my biggest concern.
2: I know. I know. And, I, and Seth told me I was being dramatic because I said I'm effectively homeless. I've sold my <laughs> house and I, ha- I don't have a house on the other end. I'm effectively homeless. He said, you're being dramatic.
1: Well, Maybe I mean, so, but
2: it felt very dramatic to me. So
1: It was just a matter <laughs> of time. And- yeah, I know,
2: but it took a while, so it was stressful.
1: So so let's talk about this, though, because I know that this is a move you're wanting to make, right? So it's not like you're yeah. being forced to sell your home. Yeah. So this is... We chose it. You chose it. It looks like there's something mm-hmm. exciting down the road. But I still know that moving, well, first of all, I think it's one of the most stressful things a person can do. Mm-hmm. I also Very much so. Doing it in the midst of a global pandemic may oh. also have some implications there.
2: Yeah, it it adds some depth to the complexity for sure.
1: I can imagine. <laughs> and two, I mean, three, I know that it can just be difficult. Like it can be emotional. Yeah. How long had you lived in that house?
2: Uh, 18 years in that house. I raised all my kids there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. We moved in when my oldest son was starting high school. But so for the greater amount of time of their lives, they lived there with us. So it's 18 years now. I've lived in California for, oh, gosh, 32 years, 30, no, actually 34 years, 34 years. And so, yeah, it's very emotional to leave. I love, I know there's a lot of people that think California is just the worst place in the world, but I actually love California. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's just gotten so very expensive that it's, it's counterproductive to live here. And then all my kids grew up and got married and moved out of state. So there's nothing holding us here. So we just made a decision to do something new.
1: Are you moving to a state near your children?
2: no my oldest son and my younger daughter are in washington mm-hmm. my older daughter is in texas um we are going to tennessee and my youngest son and his wife are going with us so we will have one child there with okay. us which is nice yeah
1: so it sounds like you're the last one in in, in i am. Everyone, I'm dragging everyone's, my feet <laughs> everyone's left you it's just you in a hotel
2: yeah well it's quiet now <laughs> My husband left this morning with the dogs. Of course, the dogs have been a very big challenge. Trying to put two great big dogs in a hotel room is very upsetting and yeah. frustrating. And so, but yeah, I'm the, I'm the lone holdout. My husband drove away from the house for the last time yesterday. and He actually sent me a Marco Polo and got all emotional. And then yesterday he took the dogs back to their park, which was right down the street from our house, and let them spend about two hours in the park. So that was that. So tomorrow I have to go over there and then that'll be my emotional goodbye, I'm sure. I haven't allowed myself to be emotional up until now. So,
1: Well, let's check in on that. How has this <laughs> been impacting your mental health?
2: Oh, my mental health's a mess. You know that. I mean, honestly, from selling my house here to worrying about having a house to go to there, I mean, we the rest of them started this trip with no no guarantee that a house was waiting when we got there. So that was very, very stressful. Of course, as you mentioned, it's a global pandemic. Uh, The Mm -hmm. state of California is incredibly stringent right now on their standards as they should be. They've topped 600,000 cases as of today or yesterday, I believe. So yeah, pretty big deal. And then on top of it all, I'm prepping for this bodybuilding competition. So my food's reduced. So it's affecting my sleep. It's everything.
1: So you've mentioned, I mean, it, it's mentioned on almost every episode, if not by you, but I mention it just because <laughs> I just do, but you are a bodybuilder and you have mm-hmm. mentioned that you have an upcoming competition and you've yeah. mentioned it, but we didn't dive into it on air partially because I knew a little bit about it.
2: Yeah. Actually, I talked to my coach today, so I'm going to have three upcoming, possibly four. <sighs> yeah. Um, well, so my whole team is competing together in Las Vegas in October.
0: Uh-huh.
2: I am competing in what is known as the figure division. So it's about muscle, it's about symmetry, it's about, but it's posing. I have to be in a swimsuit, I have to be in heels, I got to have my hair did and my and the sparkly jewelry on, and all that stuff that I don't normally do. I'm not that kind of a girly girl. I'm the sweat in the gym, wear my Converse, knee-high socks, and get dirty kind of girl. So, <laughs> so Fair. that that's going to be difficult. But I just talked to her today, so I'm doing that in October. We're going to find another show for me to do four weeks later, mm-hmm. and then the first weekend in December, I have another show in Colorado. Somewhere in there, my the goal is to qualify for nationals in the master's category. And if I do that, then the second week of December, I'll be back in LA to compete in master's nationals. So wow, we'll see how it all goes. That, I have lofty goals. I sent it to her yesterday and said, this is what I want to do. Am I shooting too high? And she said, you absolutely are not. I have no doubt in you whatsoever. So she's great.
1: Okay. <laughs> So now I'm going to ask a really dumb question. <laughs> Nothing's Because dumb. I know nothing Nothing's about dumb. bodybuilding. Okay. But I have two potential ideas of what you do at these competitions. <laughs> okay. <And laughs> w- one of them might be, they might both be very much wrong. Okay. But on one end, I'm thinking like it's a competition, like you're competing and you're lifting weights and you're trying yeah. to lift more weights or quicker than the other team.
2: No, there are competitions okay. like that. No, not this time.
1: Okay. And then the other thing I'm happening, I'm thinking, is like, uh, have you ever seen those dog shows? <laughs> you know where they take the dog out yeah, and they run them along. They, the... <laughs> they run them along the thing, and then they're judged.
2: Yes, closer I'm, to that. Like that. It's closer to that. Okay. Yes.
1: So it's like you walk down a like a runway, and you flex your muscles. You do and your you're posing. Like, Look at my yes. beautiful body.
2: And depending on what division you are working in, there are different poses that are required. So you come, they announce you, you come out to the stage, you pose for the judges, you do, it's not necessarily the required poses there, you do poses that are going to show off your best features, then you go to the Mm -hmm. side, they then call you out into groupings and they put you side by side and then they request certain poses that everybody do the same thing and they're comparing muscle symmetry, they're comparing the overall look, everything. So it's very daunting to me, I haven't stood on a stage in 30 years to do this, so very daunting. And, uh, but hopefully I'm going to get pat. That's why I asked her today if we could add another show because I need a little bit of time to get used to the stage again. So,
1: so this may be extending beyond the mental minute and it may be breaking mental. Oh, we're way past the mental minute. (laughs) Yeah. I need to know this answer. Okay. So growing up, I, uh, was in 4-H. Okay. And so I like Mm -hmm. would raise steers i won grand reserve heifer two years in a row i've got (laughs) plaques at home okay uh so that's what we would Mm -hmm. you know i'd have to go out and then i'd have a little stick and i'd move their feet and i'd make sure (laughs) that it showed certain (laughs) muscles and that their ass looked a certain way all that jazz and then you know they would get judged and you know what we do at the end Hmm. i'd put them on a big right. No, oh. we would kill them and eat oh, them. Oh my that's god. What, that's what farm life that's is disturbing. like. So right. It is disturbing. Yikes. And given that that is my conceptualization of how this works, don't you feel a little objectified?
2: I would feel objectified if somebody were demanding this of me or somebody took pictures of me in the gym while I was working out and posted them. Things like that. I choose to do this because I choose Mm -hmm. to celebrate my strengths. I choose to celebrate how I look, the hard work I put into this. I choose all all of that. So it's very empowering to me. I'm a little nervous about the swimsuit only because I'm 54 years old. So that's daunting. (laughs) But I'm not doing too badly. My my workout partner, who I'm leaving here in California, gave me – I just had lunch with her not too long ago, and she gave me her first suit that she competed in. And she's like, I don't, she said, don't compete in this because it's horrible. But she said, use it for posing (laughs) practice. And so I've been doing that. So it's not horrible. My coach is very happy. So, um, but yeah, I'm still very nervous about that portion of it. But so you said after you sold your cows or your heifers or whatever. Well,
1: after I won them. After after you won. won, I'm sorry. After you won. Right. Then you. I would put them on a big big trailer and that trailer would go to the butcher Mm -hmm. and then we would get delivery of pounds of meat that would then go in the deep freeze. And then that would get dispersed among the entire family. Well, so
2: I find some similarity in the after party of this because you've been Mm -hmm. on such a limited caloric intake for so long. Uh, Typical, typical prep is 12 to 16 weeks. Some do longer. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, Caloric intake is very much reduced. So immediately when those shows are over, the restaurants fill up and everybody oh, is shoving it. food in their mouth.
1: <laughs> I believe it. I so believe you, it smi- you want
2: to you eat as quickly as you can because you've been so deprived for so long. So, mm-hmm. um, so this will be my first experience with that because that didn't happen the first time when I competed. So All
1: right.
2: it was very different then. But anyway, we're way past the middle minute. So now I want to know how you are.
1: Well, see, I really was. I know you were distracting me. It was a little. You were distracting me. (laughs) I learned a lot. I'm sure you did. I really want to do a future series Uh on issues related to this.
2: Oh, we should. We should do body dysmorphia for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm totally down.
2: Um, But I know that you were asking all those questions. I know there was genuine inquisition there. I'm I'm positive of that. But I also think you were trying to distract me.
1: (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Because I have to be careful about what I say in this regard. I know that. I, I'm i doing not the greatest this mm. week. And it's actually the issues that are arising in my personal life are also kind of happening in my professional life. My professional mm. life is actually going very, very well. That's good. A lot of the insecurities that mm. I have at work are now presenting in my personal life, uh, mm-hmm. which is... Again, alluding to our prior series on imposter syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. This idea that I'm not capable hmm. and then feeling very overwhelmed.
2: What do you think it's going to take for you to feel like you are?
1: I, Michelle, I've been trying to figure that out for <laughs> a long time. Why yeah. do you think I'm running this podcast? It's all part of, <laughs> it's all part of a grand plan. It's a grand scheme. I see. Uh, but I'm working on it. But I think that for me, I really have been struggling just with um, my own personal uh, inner dialogue and Mm. then also finding myself asking a lot of those big questions of, is this really where I want to be at this point in my life? Is this really Mm. what I've, 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 you know, dedicated time to, whether it be my educational experience, my professional experience, or my podcasting experience? Is that where I want to be? Um, and what could I or should I do differently moving forward mm-hmm. and maybe reprioritizing some things in my life and, and putting some more direction in where I'm going. There's also things I don't want to talk about um, in regards to things that need to change. Right. I am notoriously unhealthy. <laughs> Notorious. <laughs> like, it's not even in what funny. Form? <laughs> I'm smoking about a pack of cigarettes a day. <laughs> Oh no! I am not. I don't eat lunch at all. Like I, I, I have an hour lunch, and I, I sit on my deck and I chain smoke. I don't. Oh.
2: Eat.
1: So you want to talk that about sounds caloric. like a stress reaction. You want to talk about caloric deficit? I guess I know exactly how you're feeling. And I'm. But yours off, is
2: not for a purpose.
1: <laughs> and I'm living. Oh, off of Monster not the Energy. monsters!
2: Oh so, my gosh!
1: You know there's probably things in my physical like how i'm handling my physical health is probably impacting my emotional health sure
2: i would I am, imagine to some degree
1: yeah i'm almost certain but this is i'm in pre contemplation okay i am <laughs> i am well i'm i'm in contemplation i'm com- contemplating it i understand what's happening but i i'm not yet there to take the steps but i don't know you're They're reflecting like, yeah yes I'm doing a lot of reflecting, which is a great point because that is actually the second stage we're going to talk about today. Right. But let's go ahead and let's jump into the third stage of (laughs) change. I have to stop talking. Michelle, take the mic. All
2: right. So we're going to start with the next stage of power then. So let's talk about the power uh, by achievement. Um, Again, hot button issue for me. I think I mentioned that when I first came across this this was a very difficult stage for me to discuss because it felt like I was being told it was negative. And I think we talked about that before. So again, I'm going to remind everybody there's no judgment with these stages. There's not supposed to be, you're going to put a judgment on them, but there's not supposed to be a judgment for these stages. So
1: the fact that you thought, well, I think the author of the book we read kind of alluded Mm -hmm. to it being not a negative thing, but kind of alluding it to being a negative thing. See, that's what I thought too. (laughs) But but what about about this being a negative thing was triggering or difficult for you to kind of wrap your mind around?
2: Well, like I said, it came across as though uh, achieving was somehow a negative thing. And of course, depending on your personality type, if you're like me, I'm a type A personality. So I'm constantly achieving, trying to do new things, trying to be better. That definite perfectionistic side comes out. So, you know, at the time I came across this and was working through my life uh, coaching certification, when this was presented, I'm working on a doctorate. I was working on a life coaching certification. I was writing a book. uh, I was working on this competition stuff. I mean, I had a list of things Mm -hmm. that I'm doing and suddenly I'm being told that, uh, that somehow my power is coming by achievement. And so it just came across very negative to me as though trying to achieve or excel at something was detrimental in some form or fashion. And, uh, but that was my perception. Again, alluding back to what we first started talking about with imposter syndrome, it, it's possible that that plays into that, mm-hmm. you know, be, because you're constantly trying to strive and succeed right. to prove yourself. So maybe that's why I perceived it negatively because I, I felt like maybe I was being told, you know, it's obvious you're a fake or it's, you know, it, right. the more you try to achieve, you know, the more we see you as a fraud. I don't know. I I mean, those are all thoughts that probably went through my head at some point. So to
1: recap, it's not <laughs> necessarily a negative thing. No, no. In fact, I want you to achieve. Of course. Because through achieving, you can get to other stages like reflection. <laughs> but let's first talk about achievement in regards to our culture and our society. Yes. It's, all about achievement it's an
2: expectation
1: yeah we we don't expect you to reflect we expect you to produce you Absolutely. need to put actual deliverables on the table sorry my right. boss used that word just a few I weeks like ago i like that word it makes sense like, eh, it does make sense but it i don't, I don't know so <laughs> looking at society society deems achievement as the top it is the best thing and it is the most worth pursuing
2: right our society anyway. There are a lot of cultures around the world that that is not true. But definitely here where we live in the United States, uh, achievement is considered a top-rung activity. We push our kids in school. We push our kids in sports. We have high hopes for them as far as their careers. For ourselves, we push ourselves into higher and higher income brackets there's always a level of expectation. And if you come across somebody that you're not doing as well as in some fashion, you know, whatever your definable item is, there's, there's almost a sense of despair that I've heard. And I've felt myself that goes along with that. Like, Oh, I'm not as good as that person because I don't make as much money or my title isn't as high or whatever the case may be. So yeah, it's very much ingrained in us.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm always comparing like it doesn't if I get to a point where I'm equal with someone then I am looking for the next person above that person to right. to go for. So it's it's not as if you ever achieve or ever get to where you're going. There's there's always right. there's always someone better. There's always someone doing this better than mm-hmm. you are, making more money than you are, more successful than you right. are. Right. And so yeah. in that world where there's always someone better than us. I think that when we're really looking at achievement for ourselves personally, it really comes down to control.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I'm a big control freak, so
1: <laughs> No. Well, this, I know it's hard to tell. <laughs> let's talk about. So let's talk uh, about control. So since you are a control freak, tell right. us about it.
2: I don't like anybody else to drive. Uh, right. I want to be the one in control of the car. I feel safer that way. I don't want anybody else to do the work that I do, which has been very difficult for me as I was anticipating this move. Of course, I have a lot of clients I had to start telling. And uh, and even with, the, with COVID, uh, you know, a lot of it affected a lot of businesses. And I had a client that came to me and said, we can't afford you right now. We're going to do it ourselves. And I was like, no, <laughs> I've done far too much work. If that's my baby. I'll lower my rate for you for a period of time so that I can continue to do the work. I don't want anybody else to do my work. And I told them, I basically told them, I'm like, you're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to mess it up and I'm going to have to come back and fix it. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, I'm very much in control in every circumstance that I'm in, which of course is stressful. It's not entirely healthy for sure, emotionally, mentally, or physically. But it's, it's been that way the majority of my life. So
1: are you a control freak? A little bit.
2: A little bit? Define uh-huh. a little bit.
1: Yes, I am <laughs> I don't like surprises, yeah, I like to know what is happening and what is going to happen, right and it I'm very controlling in i'm trying to, what am i controlling i'm in controlling if you were to ask anyone in my life, they'd give you a list, <laughs> but my house has to be a specific way, right. It, even if it's not clean, like it may have a lot of cat hair because Minnelli sheds quite a bit. But mm-hmm. like in my house, everything has a space. Yep, there mine's the same way. There is a spot for everything. And, and I'm just talking about controlling in that I need to be in control mm-hmm. of my area, my space, and things have to be a specific way. Right. Uh, when things happen that are out of the blue, um, that are not positive, I lose it. Because it mm-hmm. makes me feel... <laughs> powerless like the first yes
0: yes
1: (laughs) so in order to not feel powerless i put on this mask or this i don't know what you call cloak of control Mm -hmm. as a way Mm -hmm. of compensating for it yeah yeah
2: no i totally get it totally get it so now imagine how stressful the last few days have been for me not knowing if i have a house to go to
1: Okay, fine. I had your no homeless, control in that homeless situation. Your comment is valid cuz you didn't have the home I had
2: picks. no control whatsoever in that situation.
1: Right.
2: And so yes, it was incredibly stressful to me and and but that's what being a control freak is like. As soon as you're outside of your norm, you there there are physical manifestations of that feeling of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you sweat or you get sick to your stomach or you're grumpy, you can't sleep. There's all of these things that go along with not being able to control your environment. I don't think that we're supposed to be in control of everything. And to some degree, especially as we get into talking about deconstruction in a few weeks, uncertainty is actually a healthy thing. It's just hard to imagine. Absolutely hard to imagine. You're giving me a blank look.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uncertainty is a good thing?
2: Yes. It's actually a human need.
1: Who are you, Pete Enns? <laughs> what is happening?
2: <laughs> we'll go into that more when we get into deconstruction because, uh, again, this loss of control is part of what people experience going through any kind of questioning phase in their life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Things are suddenly out of their control that they've had in control for a very long time. Right. so Or at least they believe they've had it in control. So, yeah, there's a lot of stress that goes along with that. But it's, it's a difficult way to live. But it's how we get things done. I mean, I told somebody that yesterday. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm a control freak, but but shit gets done. So I don't know how he's. It's so
1: not productive. a negative in my
2: opinion. I'm productive. <laughs> I'm achieving. <so.
1: laughs> but at what cost? So let's let Anybody talk to, else? <laughs> I know you might not be hurting anyone else, but are you hurting yourself? Are am I hurting uh, myself? Are we hurting ourselves? Possibly. Are Possibly. Ourselves, Are we setting up mm-hmm. expectations that we can't meet? When we make our entire yeah. identity about what we can do in regards right. to achievement, it right. limits us. It, it shuts so many yeah. things down, so many things out.
2: Well, it, it takes away the value that we have intrinsically just as a human being and places that value directly into what we can show proof of.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, you know? And so we're talking, you know, like your, like I said, your salary level, a position, awards, titles, bonuses, degrees, even the size of your office maybe is a status symbol to you and, or, uh, you know, a sense of achievement, the corner office, you know, that everybody thinks is so wonderful. Right. So there, I mean, we find our power in those things.
1: Mm-hmm. And so in, In this stage, because we've worked up from powerlessness to association to achievement. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in that process, as we've worked through these stages and we start to achieve, our egos start to mature and develop. Yes. Um, And then we start to have this sense of self-respect and inherent pride in ourselves for what we've achieved.
2: Right. Which is warranted sometimes. I mean, it's a good thing to achieve things. I mean, I, I've got several degrees. I'm pretty proud of myself for those. They took determination. They took time. They took discipline. Those are positive qualities, in my opinion. So there's nothing wrong with feeling good about what you've achieved. But as you mentioned, it's an evolution. We go from not having any power to finding our power by being around somebody that we find impressive.
0: Mm-hmm
2: to now we've stepped outside of somebody else's shadow and we've found our own place or we're working on our own place by achieving these things. So you're right. Yes, there is an evolution of growth there. And of course, your ego does go along with that. So now it can get dangerous because you can get caught up in your achievements and your ego can get a little out of control. So you have to watch that. But,
1: well, but if it was powerless at one point, it's finally feeling <laughs> like it's done something good.
2: Right. But, and there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing inherently wrong with this stage. There's no, there's no negative judgment associated with it in general. It's only the, the value that we assign to each one of these stages. So again, if my achievement becomes an unending need for more to where I'm driving myself and it's unhealthy to me mentally or physically or emotionally, then yeah, there's some negativity associated with it. But the achievement itself is not necessarily negative. It's just, it's just a, it's a data point, <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in, you know, in a grouping. So, I, again, I, I feel like we say this, but we have to keep saying it. That we cannot just give generalized judgment on each of these. We have, to, we have to evaluate them as they pertain to us and the good and the bad in them and decide if they're valuable to us. And, again, I want to come back and say something um, because I think this bears repeating as well. That just because we've left one of these stages doesn't mean we never go there again. Right. So achievement is a long-standing thing in people's lives. You're going to achieve at different times in your life, and that doesn't mean that you've regressed, or that you know you're you haven't progressed into another stage. It just means you're revisiting.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'll share a little bit of my own personal story around achievement. I, okay. So growing up, I was not like the smartest kid. Okay. I. I did not do, when I say I wasn't the smartest kid, meaning I got B's and maybe like one C in my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not bad. But by my right. family's standards, B's were okay, but they were not great. And if you got a C, yeah. you're grounded. <laughs> you yeah. That's how it was for me. So,
2: That's how it was in my house.
1: So, <laughs> so I learned in high school, I, I never really got it to where I was good and and did that great. But I learned that no matter my intelligence level, I could strive, um, I could study, I could figure it, I could become Mm -hmm. book smart if I worked and tried hard enough. And so after high school, I did very, very well in college because I had put those things together. But what I started to do is I started to find my value and my worth in those efforts i.e. Yeah, I have two master's right. degrees. Do I need two master's degrees? No, I do not. I No. In fact, the second one, I don't even <laughs> use. But it was something for me so that I could mark myself as having done something and being yeah. proud of it. Uh, this sense of accomplishment I needed mm-hmm. because of all the other stuff that was going on. And so I think achievement is both good sure. and bad in that it, it can it can push us forward but what is it that's really at the core yeah. of that? At least that's well, my story because there were there was many other yeah. things going on.
2: Well, like I said, there's going to be negative and positive traits within within the stage itself. And at different times in our life, maybe achievement is positive and then maybe it's not. You know, going by what you said, do you need two master's degrees? I don't know. Maybe you do. There's nothing wrong with it. No. You know, I, I'm, when I'm done with my doctorate, I'll have five degrees. So it's, you know... <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> I've worked hard for all of that. So I don't think that makes me a good person because I have those. I just think that I've put a lot of work and effort into it. If however I and and I will cop to this at different points along the way, if I am obtaining those credentials or those degrees or certifications in order to prove myself to other people, now it may be a problem. Um, because the reality mm-hmm. is at the end of the day, I have no one to prove anything to except myself and maybe not even to me sometimes right. i mean sometimes we're just allowed to be you know so again positives or negatives it, it can ebb and flow so i'm proud of you having two master's degrees what are your master's degrees in
1: uh mm-hmm. social work and health oh, okay. care administration
2: See, both of those are fantastic had
1: take An accounting class that accounting <laughs> class. Michelle, See,
2: if you knew me, then I could have helped you because my degrees are in accounting and business oh, administration. I, <laughs> I,
1: I needed it. Uh, my professor told us we were oh. the worst class she'd ever had, and she didn't understand how we got into uh, a master's program. Uh, uh, uh. But it's because we're not right. accountants. We're, we're right. It's not your strength, and people. that's okay. Those
2: are just classes they make you take, and so you just need to pass them, you know. But which, by the way, goes against everything I believe. It, when I'm in school, I have to have an A in every class. Doesn't matter if it's my forte or not. So, but now we're back into, you know, perfectionism. So,
1: <laughs> so my mm-hmm. my first masters, 4.0. Ooh. Yeah. I was so proud. I didn't get anything. Like I thought there would be like someone like you got a perfect score. Or, like you would get some get an like, award no. or something. Yeah. No, they don't care. <laughs> they do not. They do not. Care. But yeah, but do. see,
2: I care about things like that. I have in my Advanced educational career. So anything after high school, I've had a 4.0 the entire time. Um, there's only one class ever that I got a B in, and it was an 89. I barely missed the A, which is even worse in my opinion. And it was because I got a B on a paper. I'd never gotten a B on a paper in my life. Um, and it was only because the instructor had very big problems with passive voice. Mm-hmm. Um, which by the way is very difficult to fix when you're, I mean, that's how people speak. <laughs> So anyway, so I, I'm very proud of those of those achievements. I worked hard for that. Uh, again, I can be a little obsessive about it. So now you're starting to ebb into that negative side of achieving. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I'm not going to make excuses what, for it, but I'm not going to say I'm sorry either. So.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk the shadow game. Okay. okay. What is that? I because don't know what you mean. Well, in the book that we're reading by Jane O'Hoper oh, okay. in the stages of power in the <laughs> stages of power, yes. she talks about the, the shadow of, That's right. of each of these stages. Right. And one of the stage one of the shadows in the stage, and I am not saying this is you right now. We're <laughs> talking we've talked about ego, we've talked about these different things. Right. But one of the shadows that she mentions is becoming egocentric. Right. This idea that our egos appear to be strong. Right. We put up this massive front. And we are once again
2: back to imposter syndrome. (laughs) It's a really good thing we started with that.
1: (laughs) Isn't it? It's like it it, it It just keeps coming back. (laughs) I think the problem, Michelle, is that we are both dead. Deeply imposters, and we just did a series on who we were, and yeah. now it's happening. It's over, and over and everywhere. And well, it. it's okay. like
2: it's like buying a yellow car, you know, a yellow Volkswagen Bug or something, and suddenly you see them everywhere because now you're aware right. of them. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> this keeps coming so, up.
1: <laughs> but in talking about egocentrism, mm-hmm. I don't even think I said that right. But our egos can appear to be strong. We put up this really great front, but right. inside. It's, we're, we're a bit fragile. So we're, we're strong on the outside, but, but struggling on the inside.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a cry for notice me. It, it's what it is. The ego wants to be noticed. That's, that's what the ego does. It, it wants to be patted on the back. It wants to be the out of coming to it. Um, so that, yeah, it, it, the more you achieve, the more the ego, as you said earlier, continues to grow and mature but we're using mature in the sense of get bigger, <laughs> in my opinion. Right. So, <laughs> so at some point, maybe your ego is a little too big. So you have to be, I think that's one of the things you have to be cautiously aware of as you're working on achieving. Again, no judgment with that, but <laughs> you have to be cautiously aware. So.
1: And I think one of the warning signs for this, the things to kind of pay attention to, is when you make mistakes, mm. do you try to hide mm-hmm. them? <laughs> Or do you own them? And I think that speaks to this egocentrism that we are—we appear to be strong, and we want to appear strong so much so that we don't let other people see faults, cracks, weaknesses, things of that nature, mistakes, things yeah. like that.
2: I'm I'm horribly tough on myself, and I I most of the time have no problem admitting when I mess up, but when I do, I'm incredibly hard on myself, almost. Abusively so, I I tend to see myself as stupid, not capable. How could I be so dumb as to make that mistake? I mean, you know, and mistakes happen. Life life is mis- a part of mis- is a big part of mistakes. I mean, that's, that's how it works. But yet, I really, really do struggle with that. So I don't have a problem saying, yeah, I screwed up. I just have a problem dealing with me after the fact. So, what about you? How do you handle oh. it? Do you hide it Mm, or do you admit it?
1: So I admit it generally. And I'm not saying that in an egotistical way. (laughs) I'm actually saying it in a way that's truthful. (laughs) I am far more apt to tell on myself Mm. and come to you and say, I messed this up. No, it's actually bad because I will come to you and I will be like, I did this wrong. I am at fault. you know, and I own, and then I start being really hard on myself. Right. But I'm, but I'm like being a martyr. Like I'm throwing myself at the (laughs) altar and saying, I messed this up. I'm not good enough. Okay. I'm going to say, I don't think there's anything. Yeah.
2: I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that you've made a mistake and doing it proactively. I think that's a positive trait in somebody, but yes, you then take it too far by by castigating yourself for it rather than just allowing the normal repercussions. Or it, it, even for me, if I mess up and I say something to somebody and they tell me, oh, it's not a big deal, it still sits in my head and messes with me that I, I can never make that mistake. I can never be that stupid again. I mean, it. those are the voices that go on. So I don't think there's anything wrong with you being proactively, you know, open about making a mistake. It's just what yeah. you do after that that matters, I think.
1: I just, I'm a suck up. So I just, <laughs> stuff. I do it. I do it in podcasting world as well as professional world, as well as personal. So, but let's start talking about this next stage. Okay. Cause we've, we've done this achievement. Yeah. We've gotten all of these accolades and we can see where it can.
2: We've shared all of our, our props.
1: We've done all of that. But how do we get to the next stage? Because I want my life to be more than my ego and my accomplishments. So what is on the other side of accomplishment, achievement?
2: Well, of of course, the next stage is called uh, power by reflection.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I
2: I feel like this is something that comes with maturity. And I may be wrong about that. For others, it may be a different experience. But for me, it's taken a lot of years to move past achievement. And I don't even know that. I mean, like I said, I still fall back into that all the time. Um, Reflection is often difficult especially when we have to be introspective. When we reflect on who we are and where we are in life and what we want, oftentimes we find ourselves lacking, which is not always accurate, by the way, but it is our own personal inner dialogue. So we have to you know, respect that process. But learning to evaluate, I think, is an incredibly good thing. I think we should be more reflective and less prone to react You know, and again, I think that comes with some form of maturity, whether it's, you know, emotional, mental, whatever it is. So what do you think about reflection?
1: I feel like I'm always in a state of reflection, but it's also hard because in order to reflect, uh, we have to, we have to observe, first of all, what state we're in, where our emotions are. And evaluate how that deals with our circumstances. Right. I feel like I'm always in reflection, but I also don't like it. So I'm yeah. like saying both at the same time.
2: <laughs> uh, well, she even actually makes that point in the book that reflection can be confusing. Yes. We go back and forth, you know. And but again, that's evaluation. That's healthy. You and I talked before about the difference between judging and evaluating. You know, so when you're evaluating and reflecting, you're not coming to a conclusion. You're just merely observing and trying to understand. And I think those are positive traits. They're also a very normal part of life, as I, especially as we age. I do believe that as we get older, we are reflecting back on our life. You know, where have we made our mistakes? Where what? Have, where have we made our progress? Where have we been successful? How do we want to go forward? Who do we want to be? All of these things are done through reflection of who we've been and who we think we should be. So I think it's a positive, I think it's a personally a very positive stage. I didn't find much negative with it, negativity with it. I'm sure there is, but for me, it felt positive. Well,
1: that's great. I'm really <laughs> oh, that
2: good. You, I'm happy for you.
1: <laughs> I'm really happy that you read this and, and came away with.
2: I'm also a lot older positivity. than you, so I have a different perspective.
1: Reflection. The reason that I struggle with reflection is for so long, I have lived my life believing that there was an answer to everything. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't know the answer, someone else did. Right. And the issue with reflection is that it's no longer relying on anyone else's opinions. It's no longer relying on anyone's answers it's relying on my own. Right. And I have never really had the time or taken, the, perhaps I've, I've had plenty of time, I've never taken the time mm-hmm. to, to really value my own opinion mm. or even learn how to trust my own opinion. Because I've always tried to make my opinions and the way that I evaluate the world based upon some type of evidence. Mm-hmm. And in the academic community, empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. you know, it's always needed to be research based right And yeah reflection, you have to throw all of that out because it's not about that. It's about you. It's about your feelings yeah. and the validity of those. And I struggle to to trust mine. And yeah. so reflection is confusing to me because it's, I'm I'm enduring it. I'm going through it but I don't know if what I'm thinking is correct. And what if my thinking is wrong? You know? So that's where I get really confused Mm -hmm. in this state.
2: Yeah. And well, and see, again, I'm just not convinced that that's a negative. I know it feels negative in the moment, but I still think that that's healthy. I think that we find, we find ourselves in there and that may take a long time, you know, or maybe it doesn't, but it takes time, some period of time. And that this is a part of growing up and growing older and coming to terms with yourself. It's also my contention that if we're going to talk about deconstruction in any form or fashion, and especially religious deconstruction, that it's often in this stage that that begins. It's that contemplative, let me consider all of these things kind of stage that puts us in a place to start evaluating what we believe. You know, Or as I said, who we want to be. Because deconstruction is not just necessarily about religious ideology, but it's more about life in in its right. complexity and in its wholeness. So I, I think that this is a positive. I, well, again, see, I'm assigning positive and negative to the stages, but I, this yeah, to me yeah. feels like a very positive stage.
1: And you came out in the beginning of this episode gung-ho that none of these stages were negative. Except for how we experience positive. them.
2: Well, except for how we experience them, because as I said, everybody's going to experience them differently. So there will be negative attributes, but there's positive attributes. For me, this feels very positive. I will tell you, however, that I'm seven years into deconstruction. At the beginning, it did not feel positive. And certainly by the middle, it did not feel positive. It felt devastating. And she actually, in the book, talking about this stage goes back to the ideas of control, like we've already talked about, that loss of control, that loss of certainty, is often very difficult in this stage so it's i think we have to be patient with ourselves
1: i view this stage as fading to gray okay i do because i think this is about finding yourself in the world of gray because you're reflecting on all of the different Mm -hmm. components and really starting to question everything
2: yes well, I mean, my
1: experience.
2: Yeah, uh, and it's funny because I know you're on another podcast called Fade to Gray. My book that's coming out soon is called Into the Gray, and that's what this is. It's about that. Wait, light. which
1: which one of those came first?
2: Well, Fade to Gray came first. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I just named sure my book, it <laughs> mm-hmm. but it made I sense. I mean, because this does feel like moving into uncertainty. So, you know, it is it is fading from black or white. It is melding together. So it, it's learning to be comfortable in that grayness, if you will, and and not being certain, you know, balancing out your certainty with some uncertainty so that life is not always so blocked out. It's yeah. – there's something new and exciting that maybe you don't know yet. I mean, that's a nice anticipation, so <laughs> – Although if you're a true control freak you're not big on anticipation of anything you don't know so <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think we kind of touched on this already cuz that's the shadow the confusion is the shadow side of of this stage it's mm-hmm. it's not having that certainty it's and she calls it cloudiness which i kind of like that that kind of gives me a picture you know it's kind of like driving into the fog so to speak and try to turn on the lights to see better, but it doesn't always help. <laughs> Sometimes you're just surrounded by fog and you just have to feel your way through it. So
1: she mentioned something in this book sorry, in this chapter mm-hmm. that triggered me Uh-oh. Shocker, <laughs> to something a pastor okay. told me when I was an intern at a mega church. Okay. This pastor set me down and he was like, Seth, I see you doing a lot of doing Mm. i don't see you doing a lot of being Mm. and she mentions that um in this chapter yeah that that when you really start moving from the stage of achievement where you build all this ego you build all this confidence you build you essentially build some walls of of strength yes right so every on the outside we're very very (laughs) sure of ourselves well, on the inside, we're very confused and fragile, and I think that as we start to go through achievement into reflection, we really have to stop and s- stop doing, right, and, and and learn how to be. And yeah. I think that truly, as I've been reading this book, this is where I'm at. I okay. want to say I'm at the wall. I'm. I'm. If I'm not at the wall, I'm very close okay. to the wall. You're in spitting diff- distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm being pushed there yeah. uh, throughout this process.
2: Yeah. And that's okay. I, you know, I think, I think that's a very valid point that it, it is very disconcerting to go from action to being. I, I, I had a revelation one time and I don't know if it makes sense to anybody else. It made sense to me at the time that God refers to himself as I am and being is uh, now hang with me here because this gets convoluted, but, Be is a derivation of am, the verbiage, right? right? So God is I am. We are being. We are finding ourselves in being rather than doing. So to me, it feels like you're moving closer to that godly side of yourself where you're finding that wisdom within yourself. And we call that the Holy Spirit in, in Christianese, but you're moving into finding the wisdom within yourself and the being comfortable with listening to that wisdom. And it comes through this reflective process, um, to say, Oh, I, I do know the answer to that, you know, and it doesn't come because I studied a book, but it, it's just because it's there, you know, and again, very positive to me, even in the uncertainty of it.
1: I'm real, again, I'm just so happy that <laughs> you are seeing all of this as positive. I'm not, I listen, we had our mental minute. I've I know. Had, a very tough week, so i uh, <laughs> i it's hard for me to see anything positive right, right now, and i I do think that it is it is a positive thing right. um I'm just saying that. It's positive in that it forces us to deal with ourselves. Yes. And sometimes dealing with ourselves is not an enjoyable experience. No.
2: Actually, often it isn't. And I just keep reiterating that it's positive. I mean that specifically to me. I'm not trying to convince you that it's positive. You get to experience it however you experience it. That's the beauty of all of this. It's your journey.
1: Right. So since we're talking about Mm journeys… We've got tons of time. I'm not worried about the length of this episode. Okay. I would like you to educate me and educate our listeners how did you deal with yourself.
2: <laughs> God, I'm still dealing with myself. It, I mean, right? that's a day-to-day battle. I, I think, again, this is so subjective because each one of us comes from a different background, a different family, a different personality. And I feel like I say that all the time, but it's so apropos to the conversation nobody else has my experiences. So it's not like I can go, hey, how did you handle you? And I'm going to get an answer that's pertinent to me necessarily. There may be similarities, but certainly my journey is going to be unique as is yours. I think that we can commiserate along the way and be there for one another, support one another in those times when it feels difficult and painful to celebrate with one another when it's positive and good. But handling myself I'm not sure. I, I don't know that I have an, a good answer for that. Other than to say I muddle through day by day. <laughs> some days are good, some days are bad. Uh, I, I will say, quite honestly, as it pertains to dealing with myself and being comfortable with myself, I have way more good days now than I have bad. And again, I think that's a part of the stage, that reflectiveness, learning to be comfortable with yourself, learning to understand yourself better so that you do you you do feel a sense of, of I'm okay, instead of constantly trying to measure yourself against someone else. So, and again, I know I keep reiterating and mentioning deconstruction, but this has been such a very big journey for me for the last seven years that-
1: I mean, you wrote a book on it.
2: Yeah. And it's horribly, horribly painful. I often think back, like if I could do it all over again and I would know it was going to be as painful as it was, would I do it? I still would, because I think it's going to end up being worth it in the long run. It's difficult to talk about ourselves, or to to you know, to break ourselves down and try and understand ourselves. In the best of terms, I mean, that's what therapy is. I mean, you're trying to evaluate, you know, based on a certain subject matter, a problem or issue. But eventually, you start you start pulling yourself apart to try and understand. It's it's never going to be a pleasant experience, especially in the infancy of it you're looking very thoughtful
1: i just i'm thinking about my life
2: uh, just, you were hoping i had an easy answer
1: <laughs> uh yeah i was hoping there was gonna be like uh you know i'm used to church and having you know 5.7 guides
2: <laughs> yeah do
1: a b c d e f
2: g welcome to the uncertainty of this process it sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially for control freaks who like certainty. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, speaking of control and liking mm -hmm. certainty, Mm -hmm. I think another thing we often experience in the stage is, well, being misunderstood or fear of being misunderstood, which again, goes into this whole control thing, because that's the last thing we want. So it like kicks in, at least for me, this fear of being misunderstood, I want to control that. And then my anxiety increases. And it's, yeah, it's a whole thing.
2: (laughs) Well, again, you're like you said, we get used to, you know, very pat answers. So when we don't have an answer, yes, we feel somewhat I don't know. The word that comes to mind is we feel naked in front of everybody else. I mean, suddenly I'm without an answer to your question. Now, again, because we're worried about their reaction, but their reaction is theirs and it's going to come from whatever stage that they're in. Wherever they are in their process, which often gets projected back to us and we have to be smart enough, you know, or learned enough to go, that's a projection, that's not me, that's you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: and you're trying to equate here. And what happens in the reflective stage, and I think this goes on into wisdom and purpose, honestly, is that at some point you begin to realize, I don't need to be angry at that person because they're just speaking from where they are and I can sit back and wait for them to evolve through this. And there's a lot of peace that comes from that. And I have flashes and moments of that. So I'm hopeful that that means I'm leaning towards the wisdom side (laughs) of things now. I still have those moments where I'm reactionary you know, when I respond angrily uh, or I justify my behavior or I try to make my thoughts make sense to somebody else, but I can't do that in all reality. So, like I said, me trying to tell you this is positive. I'm not trying to convince you because I can't and it's not my place. My place is to allow you your journey and to be here even when it hurts you.
1: I have been very reactionary yeah. as of late. Well,
2: sometimes that's a personality yeah. quirk, too. So, I mean,
1: well, it may be a personality quirk, <laughs> but it's not a good thing. And I sometimes fear that my reactions and the way that uh, I respond to things is not mature and it's okay. very childish. And see now we're reflecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that I have a lot of growing to do and i'm not really sure how to do it i feel very stuck and i feel very confused Yeah, i'm at this stage yeah there's no way or yeah this is where i'm at it hurts it does hurt yeah like i there's a part of me that i want to just like go and apologize to like so many different people it's interesting that as i've i've gone from like being so proud of my achievements to now almost apologizing for them. I don't think you have to uh,
2: apologize for them. They're a part well, of you. Maybe,
1: uh, apologizing for my reactions and my behavior and things like that. So, Sorry, I'm getting off topic. No, bit, that's okay. So I, I just, but I want to speak to that.
2: Is, I do want to speak to uh, that yeah. because the reality is I don't want you to get to a place where you are confusing your actions with your identity. And we've talked about that before. That whole guilt versus shame discussion. So you say, you know, I, I react, I do these. Well, that's a behavior in the moment. That doesn't mean that that's your identity. It just means that that's where you are in the moment. That's not going to stay there. You're going to evolve and change. And again, as I said, part of it's personality. But part of it is this growth process. It's painful and it's difficult. And especially when you have triggering things in your life that cause you to struggle even more you're going to see more of that for a while. But again, rather than putting some kind of judgment on yourself, just evaluate. Step out of it emotionally and evaluate what's happening and decide if, it's, if it has merit or not. Look, maybe what you're pissed off or upset about has merit. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I have an opinion on this, this is how I feel, and I have merit here. Where it becomes abusive is if you use your viewpoint to attack others to hurt others on purpose that's stuff you should apologize for, but certainly not having don't. an opinion that
1: well that i don't do okay i'm on the- I'm on the opposite side of that I'm always trying now, to you're self deprecating <laughs> right I would far rather hurt myself i mean and that's true of of stats too by the way, just on like mm-hmm. suicide versus homicide, people are far more likely to hurt themselves than they are to ever hurt anyone yes else. exactly and and I am too, <laughs> not in that way. Metaphorically, but emotionally, emotionally yeah. mentally, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would far rather uh, suffer myself <laughs> than see another one suffer. So. And
2: that's a valuable trait. I mean, that's a very, that's a good human trait to have. So but I just, that's what I'm saying. I don't want, yes, it is. I don't want you to confuse emotion and response with I- identity. Um, sometimes your emotions are valid. Sometimes your responses are valid, but none of them define you definitively. If that makes sense, because you are a constantly evolving human being. So right now, I mean, you know, one of the things I hate to hear is I'm reactionary. Well, I can be reactionary. I, I can go off on a on a second, but that's not an identity statement. That's just a, hey, I had a reactionary moment. Um, it's only when I began to associate myself with reactionary as an identity statement that it becomes a problem.
1: People don't so much call me reactionary. Dramatic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah I know. I've I heard that I've my been, whole life too. <laughs> uh, I think I've been called that like a good 20 times in the last week. So yeah. You know what's funny? Um, I'm going
2: gonna, I'm gonna to share something here with you. Do you ever notice that the people that accuse you of being dramatic do not often have the capacity for large amounts of emotion? We're talking projection again.
1: I don't make that call.
2: But it's true. I can tell you the number of people, and I remember specific instances of people telling me I'm too dramatic. And I think about that person and I think I never one time have seen a level of emotion come from that person that would make me feel like they cared about anything. So again, they're projecting the way they would handle something onto you or onto me and, and saying that's the way it should be. They're normalizing their own behavior traits at the expense of mine. That's where you have to say fuck it. I don't care about any of these other things.
1: But see, I'm going to be me. I receive. See, and that is what I find difficult.
2: I know, but you'll but, get there.
1: Yeah, we'll get there. But
2: let's. <laughs> I didn't mean to shut you down. I didn't mean to shut you down. No,
1: we're fine. I just, I yeah. That's all I got. I just. It's this is not. <laughs> This is not for me. I'm not having the most fun, and it's because it's this is an, that,
2: you're struggling here right now. That's why. R- yeah.
1: yeah, and this this series is really opening some doors. Yeah. It's really showing me some areas that I need to look at that, quite frankly, I don't want to look at because it's far more comfortable just to ignore it and hide it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how everything coincides. But yeah, that's all. It all I mean, comes how, together. Yeah, it's ironic.
2: And again, I don't think anybody holds their hand up and says, "Ooh, ooh, me, me, drag me into that uncomfortable phase of life." Nobody is. Ex- nobody is looking forward to that. It's just something that happens, and and we get we get pulled into it. And unfortunately, it feels so bad that we we don't. I hate to say it this way. We don't enjoy the ride, you know, because we don't know that we're supposed to yet. We don't know how to yet. It's only later on that we'll look back and go, "Oh wow, there was some real value there," you know. It, it's like training or running or anything that causes you physical pain. It makes you stronger, often, but you, it sucks while you're doing it. You know, I mean, yeah. you also have you, you almost have to get very masochistic in your lifestyle, like enjoy the pain, you know. <laughs> and, and
1: no then pain, like, no gain. No
2: pain, no gain. That's right. You know, I mean, those are I, those are words that go through my head all the time. So. Suck it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, suck it up, Buttercup.
2: That's right. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know, I th- you know what's funny about all of these things that we talk about is it doesn't it start to feel like one giant therapy session? <laughs>
1: yes. In fact, I felt at multiple times I was like, wait, a- I am becoming, I am becoming mm-hmm. what I didn't want to do on the show. This is I think I'm it's fantastic using my co-host for therapy, and I'm oh. putting it on live airwaves. Okay. I but, just wrote know,
2: a book with somebody where we we wrote it from this kind of perspective.
1: Can I just note? Well, and I I know that just I just saw something about that yesterday.
2: About that book?
1: Uh-huh. Oh, okay. With uh,
2: Matthew DiStefano.
1: Yeah. He's a very good friend of mine. We wrote a book yeah. together.
2: It'll be coming out soon, too. In addition yeah. to the one I wrote.
1: <laughs> right. Well, which well, which one are you talking about? The one the one I'm reading or that one?
2: I don't know. Are you Your, reading Bonfire?
1: No, I'm reading yours.
2: Oh, you're reading mine. I don't know which order they're coming out in, but we wrote a book together that basically was one long therapy session on based on his deconstruction. That's awesome. And talked through it. Yeah, I think it's going to turn out really well. I, I actually have it right now for editing, so I've got to get busy. <laughs> Once I get across the country, I can start editing. He's already taken a swipe and I'll take a swipe, so and then we'll see what where it needs to go, but... All right. But I think this is valuable. I think this is it's yeah. beneficial for both of us. I think it's beneficial to, for people to hear that we struggle with the same things and they're not alone and hey, let's all talk about it and cry together, laugh together, get angry together. All of those things are are beneficial. So,
1: in review, well not so much <laughs> review. I'm not going to review this. In looking <laughs> at getting to the next stage. Right looking at what that catalyst is that really moves us from reflection to what's the next stage
2: well the next the, it's not actually a stage the next thing mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about is the wall
1: the wall the wall kind of like uh game of thrones like that something that like wall. that
2: <laughs> it feels daunting like that yeah right
1: there on the yeah
2: i need a flying dragon to get over it
1: <laughs> so now can we just review? I know we're going to be talking about this in the next episode, Mm -hmm. but what is the wall?
2: You know, I I think it, it it defies definition, so to speak. It's a sticking point, if you will. It's, it's a place where you have to make a decision. Am I content with where I am with the power that I have in life? So in this point, at this point, you know, I've experienced powerlessness. I've experienced power by association. I've experienced power by achievement. I'm now reflecting for my power. And suddenly I hit this wall and I have to stop and evaluate. Am I ready to go forward or am I just going to be comfortable and stay where I am? Um, it's, it's, it's going to be different for every person. What makes up that wall? Uh, it's, it's going to be very personal and it's going to be a challenge. That's why it's a wall and it's, it's not something it's easily climbed. Or surmounted. It's going to be work. Mm
1: -hmm. So. That might be where I'm at. I don't know if I'm at the beginning of reflection or the end looking at a massive wall. It feels like a wall.
2: Well, maybe you've hit the wall and you've bounced back into reflection a couple times. I think I'm I'm going back and forth.
1: I think I have some head trauma. Well, so so you're still
2: trying those.
1: Something. I, I don't think either one wants me. I think I'm just being tossed oh, back and forth. I'll no,
2: stop it.
1: But uh, this, I think, was a very valuable conversation. Um, yeah. Other than, you know, the next my in the series. Right. <laughs> so just know hmm. coming up next, we're going to talk about the wall this yeah. thing you have to climb in order to reach purpose and i am very it's that's correct right it's the wall uh and the power
2: by purpose is next i believe yeah and then yeah. It, after the wall and then i think it's power by wisdom let me check i, mm-hmm. I want to make sure i'm not speaking out of I think church. it's wall uh, power, yeah power wisdom. by purpose and then power by wisdom
1: yeah so wall, purpose wisdom so yeah. um looking at our next episode we're going to start talking about how to climb that wall <laughs> so please feel free to check us out on the next episode and please know that you can find this podcast on the Fade to Gray Network as well as Mental Podcast on Podbean. Uh, we are accessible via Facebook. Uh, we have our own group there. And if you would like to, we also have a Patreon where you can support Mental Podcast financially and maybe receive a few perks along the way. Anything you'd like to add before we wrap up Michelle?
2: show? Uh, no. Go out and achieve,
1: <laughs> And then reflect.
2: And then reflect. <laughs> Welcome back to 4 and Toe Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I'm here to talk to you about my show. 4 and Toe Podcast is created by me, Elizabeth, a homeschool mom with the goal of encouraging parents on their journeys through homeschooling. From unschooling to the classical approach, I explore all styles and forms of homeschooling, ultimately to remind you, the parent, that you've got this. From the Fade to Gray Network, check out the Four and Toe Podcast.